Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Be sure and shop Soccer90.com for all your soccer gear. FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, U.S. Men's National Team, Women's National Team. They got a bunch of new U.S. stuff just this week. And obviously, of course, they got the messy stuff. Big breaking news there. Messi coming MLS. Get your gear now if you're into that kind of scene. Check out all the latest stuff. Soccer90.com. Use code Third Degree for 20% off at checkout. Some exclusions do apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode 214. Hey, hey, it's episode 214, Dallas. Get it? Of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter. And uh, chatting all things Football Club Dallas, first with my good friend Dan Crook. Howdy, Dan. Howdy. Things good in your life, sir? Uh, You know, still pinching myself every day about looting. Yeah, all right, very good. Have they started construction yet, sir? Oh, they started the day after, the morning after the playoff final. Yeah, they've already knocked it all down. Oh, wow, proper, excellent, okay. And uh, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, the good Buzz Carrick, come in, Buzz. Man, you guys undersold that reaction. This is the first podcast since they've won and got promoted, Dan. So I was expecting more. No, we've been on since they've... Dan was not available last week. Oh, you know why I'm thinking of that? Because Dan came on the radio show that day. Right. That's a totally Uh, different show than this one. That's a totally different show. (laughs) Totally different. Different station. Different. (laughs) It's that different format, different platform. Right. Yes. Excellent. Commercials. Congratulations, Dan, on the big promotion to the Premier League, the thing you hate more than anything else in the game. But we'll accept the money. (laughs) Gladly, for sure. All right. Well, uh, anything you want to add about Luton going to the Premier League before we move on to other things? Uh, I mean, if anyone wants to jump on the bandwagon, it's got some squeaky wheels. Occasionally they fall off, but, you know, it's a fun ride. It will be a lot of fun to watch next season. Uh, no doubt about it. Congratulations to the Hatters. Uh, all right. Well, I suppose for the next hour, we're going to do nothing but talk about messy, messy, messy. That's a different show also. Oh, is it a different show? You don't want to talk <laughs> You don't want to talk about messy? I mean, we can a little bit, but that, we don't cover messy. We cover FC Dallas. Uh, okay. Well, I'm always interested in y'all's uh, input on, sure. on the biggest breaking news of... This country and this sport of all time times 15 times Pele. I'm exaggerating, obviously. Well, it's fascinating how fast it's causing ripples in the league. Um, You know, you you see people already trying to figure out if Dallas will play uh, Inter-Miami next year and things like that. No. Um, I hate to break it to you. The answer is going to be probably almost certainly going to be no. Because the way the league uh, schedule is currently structured, and granted, of course, they could change it, but... You only play half the teams in the other conference. Uh, and Dallas has actually played Miami two years in a row now. So the odds are actually very low that they would play Miami next year, you know, by my reckoning anyway. So um, if you're counting on Messi coming to Dallas, I think you're going to be uh, very disappointed. At least any time in the next yeah. 18 months. Yeah, not yeah. not next season and not this season. Uh, you know, was- Well, wait, hold on. Hold on, Buzz. There is one scenario. Yeah. MLS Cup. Well, the other scenario is League's Cup. If both teams were to advance deep enough, I suppose they could meet up. 
Oh, um, I haven't figured it, that tournament out yet. Yeah, I, I haven't either, but, you know, they're both in it, so uh, we'll Basically, see what happens. Basically, uh, the first week of August, if FC Dallas finishes first and Miami finishes runners-up in their group, Miami would come to Frisco. There's another scenario further down, like the quarterfinals or semifinals, too. Well, first week of August, it might be right about when he starts playing. So, so what you're nuts? telling me is there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance his, his first game ever might be at Dallas in the league. Oh, man, imagine that. That would be oh hilarious. <laughs> How many fingers does Dan Hunt have crossed right now? <laughs> yeah, a lot. A lot of fingers. He probably went out and had some extra fingers sewn onto his hand just yeah. so they could be crossed. Yes. The biggest <laughs> uh, question would be how much demand there would there be? Would you try and move the game to the Cotton Bowl or to AT and T? You know, because you, you know that that thing in Frisco only holds, you know, just nineteen thousand, mm. right? So if you've yeah, got saw... how much the phrase and the lease would even allow it. How yeah. much money it would cost them to? Do yeah, there's. I saw you tweet that earlier today, Buzz, and I didn't want to be that guy, but there's two things holding that up. One, can they do that? Now, maybe a leagues cup game they can because uh, in the lease with the county and the school district, there's some allowance for something non MLS league related that would allow them to do it. But I also you had uh, you smartly tweeted out the suggestion that they should hold a game against Miami, a league game against Miami at the Cotton Bowl during the fair. Yeah. But you know that could never happen for two reasons. One is it would have to happen after both the UT Texas game and the Grambling game because they use that for those football games, and after both those games, that field is a disaster. Well, can you do it before? Do it early in the? No, because they wouldn't. No, there's no way UT Texas would let a soccer game be played on that field before that giant spectacle happens. Oh, well, they, you know, those they they already do. They play that Club America game down there every during the fair. During the fair, I think it's right around then, right? Isn't it? Oh, before it. slightly before, perhaps. Hmm. Well. I we'll see what happens. I'm just saying, money talks, bro. There's ways to make it all these things happen. I do. I I I don't disagree with you. I would think it's more likely it would get moved to the Death Star than the Cotton Bowl. Oh yeah, sure, sure. um, Or even if it's outside of the fair, maybe it's the Cotton Bowl. I just I question about the contract situation, and I also wonder if that's a smart move because. You spent all this time building up this thing up in Frisco, and then the one opportunity you've got the biggest player in the world come and then you abandon it seems like really bad messaging. Well, yes and no. Are you saying it's a typical FC Dallas move? Well, I just, I I, I don't know. I, I guess I have to think about it a little bit more. I hadn't thought of it in this way. I just, I don't know, Buzz. I just don't know if that's the, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. I think you should play that game in your home. Well, I just think there's some transcendent value to him in terms of market penetration, um, both with soccer fans and non-soccer fans. You know, and if you are, there's something to be said, of course, for capping the amount of people that can see him because it creates artificial demand in a sense. Uh, But on the other hand, you know, the whole, one of the reasons why he's coming here and people around the league are willing to pay all this money for him to come here is because of, um, the impact it can have in your market, you know, the, the draw it can have and the attention it can draw it. And the amount of people in the last, you know, day and a half just on the FC Dallas side of things saying, oh, when do they play Dallas? You know, yeah. now I'm going to a Dallas game has been, you know, pretty 
you know, rapid fire on social medias and such. So, you know, I, you don't want to not take advantage of that in the first season, you know, I mean, maybe years two and three, sure. Play up in Frisco, but maybe year one, trying to take advantage of that, trying to take advantage of um, the hype, trying, you know, if you get Jerry involved, the hype will be unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't remember whether the Cowboys are a Nike team or an Adidas team. I can't remember, but um, you know, Nike. They are. Yeah. Okay. So I just think that like when you have a transcendent moment like this, Messi only has one first game in Dallas, you know? So I, I, I would think there'd be an opportunity there to expand it way beyond the normal. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Messi is about to prove my long held theory that it has very little to do with location and all to do with product. And because, uh, and this hasn't happened in a while, but for a long time, people would bitch about the team playing up in Frisco. And I would say, look, if Barcelona was playing in Frisco, you would run up the tollway to go watch that team week in and week out. It's a product issue, not a location issue. And that's about what is literally almost exactly the same scenario over in Florida with Fort Lauderdale being almost equally distant from downtown Miami uh, as Frisco is from downtown Dallas. And that place is going to be bonkers sold out week in and week out now that Messi's up there. Um, Which, again, proves what we've all said along. It is product, not location. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. But in this particular case, it wasn't the location, it's the volume. You know, limiting it to 19,000 seats instead of, you know, 80,000 seats or 90,000 seats or whatever you can fit into the Cotton Bowl or... So that's all if he so let's run with that for a second if in fact they decided they wanted to play Messi's first game for enter against Dallas in a league game or a league's cup game whatever it is as long as it's a game that has value has meaning in it do you think they would sell out the Cotton Bowl yeah I think they probably would 92,000 people yeah because um the, the, the Cotton Bowl is positioned to really take advantage of not only um, the normal FC Dallas and normal soccer audience, but also the East Dallas yeah. uh, Latino audience. So I think it would actually sell out faster than, than AT&T would. Do you think they could sell out the Death Star? Yeah, because then Jones would get involved and there would yeah. be a hype factor from that. Um, you know, the problem with that one, of course, is that, you know, the field size is not sufficient and all that kind of stuff. You know, you could play a game there, but it's pretty, pretty much an aberration kind of yeah. game. You know, I, I, just the first time, it depends on when we're talking about it. Like if it's a year from now, maybe it's people are used to it. But if the first time is for some bizarre reason, like in the League's Cup or in the playoffs this year, I mean. Like really early in his time in the league. Yeah, and the hype would be super high. I mean, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not in the business of that kind of stuff. I just think that like. The, the instant reaction. I mean, Miami going from 1 million followers to 5 million followers all overnight. Yeah, you know, I mean, Messi's ridiculous. actually not even signed yet. You know, and he's got hundreds of millions of followers and people around this country, you know, are going you know, crazy about it. And I think that in this town, I think the first time in, I probably would be a big deal. I mean, remember what Beckham did the times he came here. Granted, those games were in Frisco. And he didn't you even know. play the first one. <laughs> right. I know. I remember that. I used to say that. It's it. It's that's actually part of the uh, official uh, list on the site, Buzz. Yeah, that yeah. falls so, into that that year. So should be the St. Louis thing that needs to go on there. Yeah, I saw somebody recommend that we add that. We'll get into the St. Louis thing here in a second. I'm oh. I'm interested in Dan's perspective in all of this as somebody not from here, but also somebody that's been here and been a fan. Uh, your perspective of of the enormity or 
lack thereof or overhype of the messy thing coming to America? Uh, I mean, it's a huge deal. You know, teams are reaching out to people to uh, to sell tickets. I mean, Chicago sold seven thousand for for their game. I think was it Charlotte maybe that just shipped an extra ten thousand in one one day. In in Dallas, I, I think I'm a little hesitant. Well, firstly, like you mentioned, played Miami two years in a row. Probably not getting them at home next year. Um, yeah. You know, and we only saw a couple of years ago when Cristiano Ronaldo was at the height of his powers. Real Madrid only sold fifty thousand at the Cotton Bowl. Um, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong. Um, there is a decent-sized Argentine population. Um, when Messi came here last time, I don't think they quite sold out the Cotton Bowl. But, uh, uh, not the Cotton Bowl, sorry, AT&T. Hell, the Barbero family could sell out the Cotton Bowl just by themselves. That's a personal joke, sorry. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> some friends of mine. They're a giant Argentinian family that lives here in town. There's more Barberos you could possibly count. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with the league. Whether it's just kind of like a, a weird sideshow. I keep seeing people saying, "Ah, oh, it's like it's like when Beckham came." I think you know Beckham was the year before I moved out, or actually no, I was in Connecticut at the time. Yeah. Um, so I never really, uh, I didn't get to to see that portion of it here. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, ultimately, it's a still kind of crappy team that's going to get an excellent player and, and how much of a difference that really makes. Well, I do agree that if you're talking about a year from now or more likely two years from now, uh, then it doesn't make sense. I'm only talking about the instance. If it, if it manages to happen in the end of this season, then I think there's something to be said for. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, uh, it is not a done yet, a deal not no. yet done. Um, and uh, Andy actually read the article to me and translated it for him because uh, Google Translate of the Spanish article was pretty crappy. And it's pretty clear. I mean, this is the one thing about this whole thing that nobody's really talking about after yesterday because I think everybody's making the assumption this is going to happen, which is probably true. But this is the one red flag in all of this that is that is lurking around in the back of my head. And I know this is pretty stereotypical of me to think of it this way is this is clearly not his first option. Like, he really wants to go back to Barcelona, and he wants to end his career in Barcelona. They just can't make it happen, so he's going to do this instead. And that worries me uh, in terms of how he treats this, um, both on and off the field. Well, I was just reading a quote from Tevez, um, who said that, you know, part of the reason why it wasn't going to work at Barcelona was because Messi would have been the bad guy in the sense of like all these other players would have to take pay cuts and be, and he would have caused a massive disruption to them. And that was part of why he wasn't interested in that. Um, and then just, you know, being ready for the next phase and owning a Miami and, and Tevez thinks he made a really good choice. Um, you know, implication being that they're fairly tight. So, I, you know, it, it's, it's not the first choice, but Messi doesn't necessarily strike me as a guy who's kind of half-assed it. You know, he didn't go to PSG and just walk around. You know, he plays pretty hard. No, but that's a very different deal than coming and playing on a, a, a you know, right now, Inter my I mean, I, this is funny. I keep, as soon as this got announced or started getting leaking out yesterday morning, all I could think about was how awful Miami was 
earlier this season. Remember how we talked about that maybe one of the worst teams we've ever seen in this league? Yeah, they're bad. Now, that was Phil Neville, and I'm sure they're going to add Busquets, and they're going to add some other people in Tata Martinez who's going to fix a lot of that stuff. I'm sure they're going to get significantly better very, very quickly. But this is a very different situation than Lionel Messi's ever had, as far as I can think of in his career, what he's stepping into. Yeah, it's not as good. I I imagine there'll be lots of people that'll take less money than they could to want to go there, you know, um, especially. (laughs) Picture being Victor Uroa right now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) nice, right? That guy, he's won the lottery in a way. He totally won it. They'll they'll need budget players that can produce and perform. So they'll need guys like Uroa to fill in their roster, a guy that's capable of being a starter. He's getting a little long in the tooth, but he can start games, you know, for sure still. They'll have to lean hard into their academy because they'll be so top-heavy, bottom-heavy. You know, it's an interesting question. Uh, They've also got some dead weight they've jettisoned, you know, some DPs that were absolutely horrible, some of the worst DPs I've ever seen. So this is going to get them on the right track, you know. Uh, LAFC has proven that you can spend well above the cap and and get away with it if you're smart about it. And I imagine that Inter's probably going to try and do the same thing. Boy, uh, imagine, is it going to surprise anybody that Joseph Martinez's game just suddenly goes back to his Atlanta days overnight? Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that switch is going to flip super fast. You guys you guys watch. Well, I imagine there'll be a whole boatload of players that'll play a lot better than they ever have before because they don't want to be the one jettisoned um, when the guy shows up. You know, they're going to want to stick around. Yeah, well, again, I, I, I've spent a, a, a not small amount of time imagining being Victor at this particular moment in time <laughs> yeah. and how, how weird his life has taken a twist where now he's going to be lining up in the midfield with the greatest player of all time. Oh, well, Breck Shea, they, they let him go. Oh, that's right. Breck, <laughs> Breck was playing in the soccer tournament I a know. week ago. I know he was. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. Well, okay. Well, uh, we'll keep everybody tabbed on that. We'll talk a lot about it on the radio show on Saturday as well. And if anybody wants to get more into it, because I got a thousand kajillion thoughts about this. Yeah. Hey, um, on, uh, for, well, well, doing some cross promotion. Where's, uh, where's the radio show going to be this weekend? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Dan. Uh, we are doing a uh, uh, Champions League final watching party at Soccer Spectrum in Richardson, which I believe is walking distance from Dan's home, which means either before or after you can go to Dan's house and take a nap because you're, you're so drunk from all the beer you're going to drink. So Soccer Spectrum is just off of uh, Campbell and 75, just east of there. It's a great place. they got a ton of televisions. We're going to do our show live from there. Um, lots of, uh, by the way, the pizza at this place is really good. And I'm a bit of a pizza snob. So, um, I like the pizza there a lot. They got all different kinds of beer, uh, and it should be a great time. It's free. It's free admission. You don't have to pay to get in. Uh, the doors open at eight 30 in the morning. So feel free to come watch the game and heckle the radio show while we're there. Thank you, Dan, for that opportunity to do that. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Don't worry. And hopefully buzz doesn't edit it out. Nope. all right so we've talked about Messi. we've talked about luton we've talked about my stupid radio show let's talk football club dallas and since the last time we talked it's been a very weird uh, seven days buzz and dan as we have uh, dealt again with dallas having significant injury issues and missing players for all kinds of things first up the loss against nashville at home 
is a weird one because they lost the game. But you know what? The team, considering all things considered, the team didn't look that crappy. Yeah, as Coach liked to point out, um, the last couple of games, you know, this is, goes back to something Oscar Perea used to always say, is that sometimes you have to ignore the goals because there's a lot of flukiness that happens in soccer goals. And you have to just look at the game. And his analysis of the game, and I think he was correct, was that the team played really well. And if you want an example of that, you can look at this Nashville game. And if you buy into the XG stat, and I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, overseller of that stat, but it can be a good metric to, for a general philosophy about like, the team play very well. Uh, FC Dallas had a 1.5 XG compared to the 0.9 for Nashville. Well, what that means is in general terms, Dallas played a pretty effective game. They created enough chances and, and so on and so forth in order to be in that game. They had enough key passes. They had enough opportunities to score, and et cetera, et cetera. Now, the scoring wasn't good enough. And you can go back to the what has bit them a little bit recently, which is the relatively poor finishing they've been doing. Um, for example, in this game, they had 13 shots, right? So they had, sorry, 14 shots. So they put themselves in opportunity, you know, to get a shot on, uh, towards the goal 14 times, but only three of them got on target, right? So that's not, that's not good enough. That's not what this team uh, does. This team is a low shot, high convergence team. So this is a breakdown in terms of why they didn't win the game was this poor finishing. And this particular game, Alan Velasco had a, had a relatively decent game, statistically speaking, but at a poor game in terms of its his actual production came of it. For, for example, he had six shots and he didn't get any of them on goal. And five of six of them came from outside the goal, the goal box. And in particular, a large number of the shots from this team in this game came from outside the goal box. So they did not do what they usually do. Usually this team lead, or has up until recently, maybe this week even, they've led the league in their percentage of shots coming in the box. The closer you get, the better your finishing chances are, the higher percentage of your finishing chances. So while they did play well, basically box to box, the last two couple of games they have not played well in the box with the final opportunity, and that's why they haven't had a couple of good results this week. So you have to balance the analysis of you played relatively well with the analysis of the object of the game is to score and win the game. So those two things were disconnected, but it was overall you have to be relatively happy with the uh, play given the number of people that they're missing because they're still missing a massive amount of people, including pretty much everybody in midfield. Yeah, and, and, and included that, not just the people that are missing, but the players that they had to use to replace them. Yeah. You know, the idea that Ibby's playing right back makes <laughs> my head hurt. But then to see Endele start and and uh, Nolan start again, I, I that, you know. Yeah. Endele is a player who they they drafted with the idea that he was going to convert to right back, but he's been playing so well for North Texas and in training at wing that they okay using him there. They're so okay using him there and so not okay yet to use him in defense that they basically went with this formation so they could use him as a right midfielder with a very heavy defensive first player behind him. And Ibiaga in that game played a very, very uh, simple, basic stay-at-home game. And Dallas went down the left heavily, so heavily that that uh, Obreon only had like 20-something touches and Indale only had like, I want to say like 12 or something. Um, you know, they funneled heavily the other way. And given how well Obreon's playing, it's perhaps a shame that he was not involved more because of this formation, perhaps, um, because he, he wasn't in there and they didn't score. You know, so it's weird that we're at a point where they're like, man, it's really a shame that... <laughs> Hadir Obreon, of all people, didn't get more of the ball because he's the best, one of the best players right now. 
I mean, you think about, there, you know, there were three key errors in the game, right? No, the one probably on the on the attack inside for FC Dallas was that breakaway um, when Ferreira received the ball, uh, just intercepted the ball in midfield, made the run up. It was like a three-on-one. Obreon's waiting there for a layoff, and Ferreira takes a touch too many and runs into a defender, into the one defender. Um, you know, how many times in the past have we thought, oh, why didn't he just pass it to Obreon? Normally it's the other way around. Why did Obreon take five extra touches? Why did he run out of play? Why did he take the shot from the impossible position? And uh, yeah, now you're, you're kind of screaming for for Obreon to get the ball instead. What a weird place we're in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could figure out, did he like... Did somebody like bump up against him and accidentally hit a button that's been hidden on his like under his hair all this time or something that like flipped a switch? I, I don't know. It's the weirdest thing. The pass last night and the St. Louis makeup. Like that's Yeah. And that's not and that's not the first time he's done that of late. Like he's like, didn't he have like a killer pass for a goal a few weeks ago? They were all like, where the hell did that come from? Yeah, at this point, he's second on the team in chances created. And Jesus is first, but Jesus has taken all the set plays. So really, Obreon is the most important player on the team, honestly, in terms of creating offensive opportunities right now. Um, and it's it's really a combination of things. Number one, the guy's got a great personality and he's got a great work rate. He's never He didn't give up. But at the beginning of the season, he probably felt like he was completely entrenched on the bench behind Areola and they brought in Camungo, you know, so he's feeling pressure in that way. And he probably was trying to, maybe he was trying to do too much. And you remember, um, and coach, I think probably continued to have faith with him and kept working with him. And you remember, um, you know, right before he, the, all this great play started happened, I talked about how great he looked in training and yeah, we all scoffed and laughed and like, wow, crazy is that? Well, since we've, I said that he's been on fire and not like I did anything. I just stand there watching it happen, you know, and, and, you have to give the guy credit, right? He didn't give up on himself. There have been guys who have, and he did not, and the coach did not. You know, it reminds me of Cobra when I was like, this guy stinks, and Lucci never gave up on him. At the end of that season, he was a contributing guy. Sometimes it just takes a while, you know? So credit to him. You know, the main difference isn't effort. The main difference is connection, that he's now integrated and in playing on the same page as other players, which is why, as Dan said, it was such a bummer that Jesus didn't pass that ball to him because – when he's in, when he's involved in the play, like the one goal he did score was a beautiful team goal. It finished with Obreon, right? So it's like that interaction and connectivity is what matters. And when he's integrated and involved, he's plenty good enough. Yeah. Well, it sucked to uh, lose a home game, uh, you know, especially against Nashville. Um, uh, but I guess my point is, is that considering how damaged the team is. Uh, it, it probably lessened the pain considering how well the team looked with all the extra pieces in there. Um, so uh, that took us to Wednesday and the weird scenario of, ha- has this ever happened in the league before? Has anybody figured that out or stated that? I, is this the first time they've ever done a restarted a game from weeks prior? Well, in my head, Dallas had one where they played the next day. But, you know, the, the difference on this one is that, um, if you remember, think back to that week that happened. Is St. Louis had a game on Tuesday and Dallas right. had a game on Wednesday, and they it was didn't Open want Cup, to, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. And they didn't yeah. want to play on Sunday and then have to play, a day, you know, a day and a half later. So um, they decided to postpone it instead. So I don't know. I'm sure that there has been. The league's been around too long for there not to have happened before. 
but you know, like we, like we said, usually it happens the next day. It's just not in this, this case. It was really weird. Dan, were you was, were you there, ahead. Dan, at the St. Louis thing yesterday? Yeah. What was the scene like there? Because you really couldn't tell from the TV. Oh, it was empty. Um, there was, you know, the they uh, there were a few. Oh, I mean, yeah. If they was over fifteen hundred people there, that would have been a shock. Okay. Well, that's not to be unexpected. I mean, you know, it was who's gonna, who wants to go oh, watch yeah, forty and, minutes? <laughs> you know, people, yeah, that there's that, exactly that. They had one merch stand open, only a couple of concessions. Um, no tick, no new ticket sales. Uh, you know, it was it was never gonna. Oh, plus uh, there was a storm right to the side of the stadium that uh, <laughs> you know, like I had to drive through rain and thunder to get to the stadium there was another storm on the other side of the stadium so i mean i wouldn't blame anyone for just going you know what i'm just gonna watch it on tv for for 40 minutes instead one thing about the dallas audience the dallas fan base is that it does not deal well with events that aren't on the schedule whether it be (laughs) open cup games or makeup games or even playoff games although the most recent one they did a really good job of marketing it but most other times when they have games that pop up without being penciled in from the beginning of the year, they don't, no one knows and does, no one comes, you know. It was, it was funny. I, sh- I wish I had grabbed a screen capture of this. Uh, one of the guys from one of the supporters groups, like what is it? I don't remember who it was, uh, tweeted a photo uh, of his map, an Apple map of going to the game from where he lives, which is on the other side of the airport, like maybe Westlake or somewhere in that area, Keller maybe, or somewhere past that. And he was commenting about the fact that it was going to take him 45, 50 minutes to drive there. And the game was only 40 minutes long. But what I thought was interesting from that photo was, is, is that if in fact, this just proves out another thing about location that I uh, that I just, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to beat everybody down with this, but if the game had been in a stadium in downtown Dallas, it would have actually taken him, because it mapped, by the way, was covered in red traffic uh, lines because traffic was so bad at that time of day. It would have taken him almost twice as long to get to downtown Dallas as it would have to gotten to Frisco for the game. Mm. And my point being is, is there is no perfect place for a stadium in this area, in my opinion, because everybody has to drive a long way to get everywhere for the most part. Sorry, that was just my observation. Yeah, that that, that's image. a fair rant. I mean, I admit that I did not go for that very reason, that the drive would have been longer each way than the game was going to be. Yeah. You know, I, it's it's I, I, it's not it's a poor excuse, but... It, it was such a weird, disjointed thing. Like even watching it on TV, it felt really weird, you know, because it's like it started with a goal kick, you know, and it was, it was, you know. It started five minutes early too. Yeah, it was basically Oh, did just, it really? Wow. Yeah, I was still trying to eat when they uh, kicked off. Oh, wow. Hmm. You know, it was just a weird, it, it wasn't, it was like, it wasn't even like a real even training session. It was like a half, it was just like the last section of a training session, like a 45 minute, you know, scrimmage almost. Um, some people were complaining I saw on Twitter about and various social medias about the intensity of the FC Dallas, but we knew going in that was going to be the case. And coach Dan, you remember coach talked about it on the media call, how they knew that St. Louis or assumed that St. Louis would come out as they always do really high pressure, high intensity. And so their whole ball game was to absorb that, you know, and not break and then get them after that, that. And they did, you yeah. know, so that, that plan worked to per- perfection. 
but you know, there, no one needed a sub. No one needed. No one needs to rotate or have time off because it really was just forty minutes. So it wasn't even a whole half. So you know, it's it was hard to really get your teeth into it as a real event. You know, I didn't even bother with the three things because the the two pieces were so disjointed and so far apart that things like a ninety minute game didn't come into play. So well, I mean, nothing. You know, I mean, you could you could happily have not watched the the first half an hour of the resumed game and you would have seen every piece of action still. Um, yeah, it was a it was a dreadful 35 minutes before the goal was scored. And it was it was funny. I was talking to I was um talking with Marco Farfan after the game to last minute, you know, what what did you go into expect Nico was expecting all this chaos and and hectic pressing that just really wasn't there it was a lot of kind of like well do you want the ball do we want the ball who wants the ball can somebody shoot no okay we'll just take it out for a throw in um, yeah i felt bad like, yeah you know you'd expect it to be they're playing half a game they're a high intensity team they're going to double it up right because they've uh, you know they've, they can just go for it not have to worry about you know conserving energy over 90 minutes and it just wasn't there in the end like you have to look at these two pieces of a game as an opportunity that Dallas took advantage of because this is not an easy team to beat. St. Louis City is really good, and you just got three points against them. And I feel, I honestly feel like the break, like splitting it into two pieces, because Dallas fought and clawed to keep that thing at zero zero over the first section, and the second section made it really difficult for anybody to do their game. And Dallas is practiced at diffusing play and softening play and killing play. And that's what they did in this mm -hmm. game. This is the Nico way and then capitalizing late. And again, that's what they did. They said they pressed the accelerator and they played in rapid transition. We talk about it all the time with this team that they're at their very best when they turn you over and no matter where in the field it is. And they rapidly attack back the other direction. It's not a counterattack. It's just rapid transition. And they were at their best doing that. And they're, the, and they're, it's their ball game. It's the way they play. And, and if people don't enjoy that, I'm not sure what to tell you because that's what this coach is going to do. You know, his mandate when he was hired was fix the defense, and he's done that. And you're looking at one of the best teams in the league defensively right now. Um, even though we think the defense is not as good as last year and could be a lot better, you know, it's still this overall team concept that keeps games low scoring, keeps them tight. And Jesus is taking advantage of that and winning a lot of games. He's leading the league in game-winning goals because he's the leading scorer for this team and this team wins games late. And so he's, you know, we'll see have three game winning goals now after the 80th minute. It's incredible. I mean, imagine if he was actually in the box at that time, how many might have, but um, you take it when they come and you take these points and you take it as a really weird thing, but you got the points and that's what matters. All right. Well, this is going to lead into what I think is the big kind of question mark that came out of yesterday's 40 minutes. And I'll get to that in a second, which is, but we, we should at least acknowledge that this team is in serious trouble if Jesus gets injured or is out for any period of time because nobody else is scoring for the most part on this team except for him. Well, we've been ranting about that for a couple of weeks now, that he's the only one on the team that can score. It's Right now it's highlighted by the fact that there's not much service from midfield. Um, and, and I talked about – I asked Coach actually directly, like, is, is Jesus coming back and doing these things where he comes back to midfield – because he's not getting the ball. And he said, no, actually, he is getting the ball. You know, the, the, the opportunities are the same. The XG is the same. It's just not coming out of midfield. It's coming from somewhere else. And they're playing this double pivot. And the last week or so, they're playing this 4-4-2. Four, four, 
you know, there's two there's two sixes back there, and he's playing with another high striker next to him. So, well, where's it coming from? They're going around the wide parts and then coming in. It's not coming from the midfield. So they've just shifted to where it's coming from. But it's still all going to Jesus because you're right, no one else on this team can score. The number two leading scorer is probably Obreon now. And right after that, it's uh, Nikosi Tafari. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if somebody else did score, it was a defender again last night. I, I I think there have been more goals by defenders this season than there have been attacking players, if you add up all the goals. Well, not Jesus. But... Well, no. I think if you were to add up to Farai and Ibi and Farfan, I, like they may be close to how many uh, Jesus has scored this season. Oh, if, possibly, uh, but Velasco has two and O'Brien has two. I think you know. Garrett... There's a fourth defender that scored as well this season. I'm trying to think yeah. if it was who it was. Martinez well, Buzz, has one. Uh, oh yeah, Jose. Yeah. Yeah. So Buzz, you said a name that I think is the at least in my head from watching it the talking point out of this game and very concerning. Now maybe there's more to this story that was uh, Dan can share afterwards since you got to go to the locker room and you were actually there. But uh, tell me I should not be concerned about your $8 million Argentinian wonder kid crying as he gets subbed out of a game that is only 40 yeah. minutes long. Oh, that was a really odd moment. Um, I don't know of anything beyond what we witnessed, which was a, it sure heck to me looked like he was crying. You know, Because he I, was playing poorly. He has been playing poorly for a while. Um, and I thought he was playing poorly again in this game, and he got subbed out. And I imagine that to him – it feels like he got subbed 30 minutes into the first half of a game, you know, and that only happens when you're, unless you're injured, that only happens when you're complete trash or the coach is completely screwed up something tactically and you're getting annihilated. Well, the coach didn't screw up something tactical. You know, he only got subbed because he was playing like crap. Now you could say the reason he got subbed was to bring on the center back and go five, four, one and kill the game since they were up. That's true. But you could have picked multiple players to come off. And the thing is, is they're not pulling off Asus. The way O'Brien's playing, he's not coming out, right? The, the Quinone-Surio uh, combo in this, in this particular game is not coming out. So for them to decide that you're the worst player we're bringing you out is not good. And we forget sometimes that he's a kid. Now, maybe there's something off the field happening that I have no idea about. It's entirely possible. It just seems like maybe it was like, you know, frustration and emotion on his part that he knows he's not playing bad, you know, and his teammates are yelling at him fairly frequently right now. And yeah, the there was a pulling him out pretty quick. So pretty nasty moment between him and Jesus when Jesus was out wide and Allen tried to play a, a ball behind the defender and Jesus did not look like he liked that. Although I'm not hundred percent sure Allen made the wrong decision there. But anyway, Dan, do you have any live from the scene reporting on what actually went down or what was the uh, result of all of that? No, you seem fine in the locker room afterwards. I'm hoping it's just the emotion of the moment. You know, um, he sees all that, adds all that up in his head, and he gets upset about it. You know, as I said, it's important to remember that he really is a kid. Yeah, you know, he, he's dealing with things at a much higher level of pressure, and than you or I did at 18, 19 years old. You know, it's a different world that he lives in than we have know anything about. So I, I can't, you know, I can't blame him for having a moment. You know, I'm. I'm 52 years old and I occasionally have moments, you know, it's just these things happen and he just happened to do it in a place where people could see him on TV, you know, and if Dan's, if Dan's right and he's fine five minutes later, then that's great. That's actually good. So, um, 
nobody seemed to go over to him and say anything to him, so I imagine they probably wanted to just give him some space. All right. Well, then I shan't I shan't worry about it no more. Uh, by the way, the between the loss and the win, Dallas retains their now. Uh, it's officially the Dallas uh, trophy position of fourth place. Although <laughs> they're tied on points with LAFC, but LAFC has many games in hand. Uh, they've only oh, played 13 yeah. games and have 26 points, which is a good rate. Now they're about to get into the grinder as a club. They've got like two games a week now through August, is it? Or some ridiculous amount of time they're going to play a stunning amount of football. Yeah, that's a team that I wouldn't be surprised uh, would play a bunch of spares in the League's Cup just to get out of that weight of that thing because they, they had their hands full trying to win CONCACAF again. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, Dallas, as I said, in fourth place, tied with LAFC on 26 points uh, and a points per game of 1.53, if anybody cares. Dallas now is 5-2-2 two, and two at home. One of the things that I wondered about this game, Buzz, is the fact that um, – you know, with all the weird roster uh, rules exceptions that deal with postponed restarted games was the fact that uh, Leggett wasn't available because he's hurt. And then it's the curious case of Paxton Pomacall, who uh, I guess we can give him a bye and say he was in this game when it started. But it's now how long has that dude been missing? Boy, it's starting to get uh, worrying how long it's been. Um, was it the know. Austin game was the last time he played? Dan, you know more. What's the time on uh, It was the Houston game. The Houston game. All right. So he's only missed four games since then or three and a half games. Yeah, that sounds about right. God, nope. it feels longer than that. Yeah. Well, he was rested in the Vancouver game. Um, and he let me let me backtrack. So he subbed out of the Austin game on May 13th. He right. sat out the Vancouver game on the 17th, came back for the Houston game on the 20th. He started the Houston game? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he supposedly um, injured his quad in training the middle of that week, and then he's missed uh, the game since then. Okay. Well... Coach says that um, Ariel and Legette might be back for the Austin game, which is basically two weeks from today. So they're neither one of them, it sounds like, going to be back for the Portland game. So you're looking at Austin at best before you get both those guys back. And then when, when he said that, he skipped right over Paxton. So I'm assuming Paxton must be longer than that. So mm. I don't know when we're going to see him, honestly. Um, it's kind of like they're, they're being really hazy about uh, time gone uh, right now, maybe because they don't want people to realize it might be a while. Like Tuomasi, right? Apparently he's walking around in a walking boot. And depending on who I've talked to, I'm hearing anywhere from three weeks to three months that he might be out, depending on how fast he heals. You know, so Paxson, we don't know at all. We're not hearing anything other than like, apparently it's this quad hamstring. Obviously there's a relation there, you know. So Tuomasi's so, an ankle injury? Yeah. Yeah, he's in a walking boot. Um, yeah, the Paxton thing worries me because uh, uh, not to have uh, Dallas sports area PTSD, but it not that I actually care about baseball, but it does have this weird Jacob deGrom vibe where, you know, a guy is uh, missing because he's out injured. And then suddenly one day it's like, oh, we're just going to let him sit out a few more weeks. And then literally the next day you find he's having season and a half ending surgery. 
And I'm worried that this is what is going to transpire with Paxton is they're going to they're going to call an emergency press conference or some just like passing reference in the hallway where Nick. Oh, yeah, yeah, he had to he had to have surgery and he's out for the rest of the season. That's what I'm really worried about. Well, usually they put out uh, press release when they have surgery. So if he had surgery, we'll, they'll tell us. But if he doesn't have surgery, they're just shutting him down. They probably won't say anything for quite a while because they don't want everybody to know they're shutting him down. Yeah. I mean, if it's just an innocuous quad injury, it just feels like this has been going on way too long for it just to be a, a nagging quad injury. Well, there's some hammy involvement at this point too so you know and unfortunately these are all related to the thing that was this bigger problem two years ago so yeah. you're always worried about paxton you know and when anything in that central area you kind of like you try to be really careful so hopefully that's all it is hopefully they're just being really careful you know we're doing a lot of speculating because they're being really quiet about it we don't know yeah well especially when you make the note that when they go through the list they don't even mention him now <laughs> yeah he he just was like he was like oh you think you might get some people back for this game he goes well we might have Ariel and Lejet for Austin. And I was like, I had to look up when that was. And then just, uh, that was it. He didn't mention anybody else. You know, well, I don't. It was weird because I'd asked about replacing Paxton and Lejet and how the rules let him do that. And uh, yeah, he just kind of went off on a, on a bit of a tangent and then said, oh, you know, we may get them back for Austin. And that was kind of it. No, uh, no Seeky, no Paxton, no Emma. Um, no, really, anyone. I mean, Chris, the injury list that big. So, Buzz, I'm glad. I'm glad um, Dan brought that up. I meant I should have asked you back when we were talking about the Nashville game. Where, how do you feel about Endale and Nolan Norris's performance, own goal aside? Yeah. Um, from you know what we've seen from those kids. Well, okay, you know, fine. L- listen, people, people always want to tell me that like these kids. Oh, that kid sucked. Well, of course he did. <laughs> He's eight. You know, Smith's eight, nineteen. Uh, Norris is eighteen. Endale's. Never played a minute coming out of Indiana. You know, he was a low-round draft pick. Of course they weren't good. Everything has to be taken in context. You know, Indole did not get enough touches really to get much of a judge on him. But I've seen him play for North Texas, and he has some things that are interesting. You know, as a player that could be developed. You know, I think he could provide as much as Siki does for this team going forward. You know, whether it be eventual as a right-back option or if he continues to be a wing option. The fact that he actually is usable at wing – is a bonus. They weren't really, that wasn't really the plan when they drafted him. They were kind of going to sort of see where he fit. And it's a bonus that you can use him as a wing after all. Um, you know, Norris is interesting because all they asked him to do is keep it really simple. And he did that. Yes. The own goal is terrible, but my, my, the thing I take away from the Norris performances is that he's a kid that was way in over his head playing a position. He's hardly ever played before. And he stood up, you know, it wasn't great in the first game. It was fine. The second game, he has the own goal, and he shook it off, and he played. Lots of guys would fold, either just in the first game when he was struggling a little bit, relatively speaking, or in the second game when he had the old goal. Those are massive chances for kids would just fold tent and just be worthless and get run over from there, and he didn't do that. He's, that kid, I've talked about his brain since he was 13 years old. He is tough mentally sharp and super savvy about the game and is a really good passer. He's shown that he's going to be useful to this club in way more ways than we thought he was going to be. Is it now? No, no, of course it's not. But 
his mental toughness he showed this week to me is just off the charts, and that's going to be so good for him and this club over the long run. And even Smith, who I was never that high on signing in the first place, I thought his performance at right back was pretty good. He showed some verticality. He's he's more of a Brian Reynolds-ish, run the line, get up and down kind of guy. He's not going to sit deep and defend really well. You know, he'll be more like a Giovanni in the sense it's all about the offense. But he actually did a relatively decent job on defense. You know, he got turned on that one triple team when there were two other guys to help him and none of them stopped the guy, you know, and he's not the one that didn't track somebody that ended up in a goal. So, um, you know, all of those kids, I thought, given the context and the circumstances, played in a positive way. And that's what all I ever want when someone's making their MLS debut is to not get wrecked. So that means the team is now off until the 12th uh, this weekend when they have to go to Portland uh, and face off against the Timbers, the Trees, uh, who are in 11th place and not having their best season. So uh, a good opportunity on the road for Dallas to get more points, who, by the way, currently are 2-3-3 three, and three on the road. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, obviously, Paz is back. You know, uh, no one really needs to rotate because this, this midweek game was basically just like a practice. So it's not everyone should be feeling great other than people that are, of course, actually healthy. Um, you still have, you know, the, your midfield problem, but you can just play the same 4-4-2. You can go with Edwin and uh, Facundo in the middle, both of whom perform better in that combo pairing than they do by themselves. You know, far fans, obvious. Um I'm sure Velasco's obvious. I'm sure Obreon is obvious. The only question will be, do you use Obreon up top as the striker next to Jesus, or do you use Jimenez in that spot and put Obreon in midfield? If you put Obreon up top, who plays right mid? You know, that might be a, a big ask on Endelay to do that again, um, especially because the only other person you have at right back is, again, Giovanni Jesus, who, as we know, does not play anywhere near as good on the road. So you might be looking at, okay, what can I do defensively? Because this coach, again – defuses the game on the road, kills the game, plays defensive. Might we be looking at a um, uh, uh, Sebastian, um, oh my gosh, Ibiaga. Oh, wow. Ibiaga right back again with somebody in front of him of a more midfielderish kind of vibe or maybe a Sam Junk on the wrong side or whatever. So still some decisions that have to be made because of the pieces and pieces missing because you still have no Ariel, Legette, and Sebling or Pomacall or Tuomasi. Those five guys, as far as we know, are still going to be out there no signs that any of them are going to be back. So um, tough struggle for the coach again to try and grind out points. Sounds like fun, Buzz. Yeah, it is fun. I think it's fun. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, it may not be sexy, but it's fun, you know. Yeah. Uh, very good. Okay, let's see. What is next up on Buzz's famous run sheet written in red crayon? Um, well, did you see where it says Justin Shea and then has a line through it? <laughs> i did yes yeah. in fact that that's the unusual thing about this is justin che is written in red but there's a black line through it crossed uh, out yeah crossed out his name is crossed out so uh, i'm just yeah. assuming this means that justin has said thanks but no thanks i'm gonna well, even if i have to go play in a fourth division in lithuania i'm going back to europe well he didn't but coach nico did uh, coach, man, threw hot, cold water all over that idea. Like somebody flat out asked him, you know, hey, you know, Justin's coming back after the U20s. It's going to be a nice addition to the team. And his answer, like in phases, was number one, the first part of it was our roster is going to be full. Number two was Justin has to think about his future. Number three was there's probably lots of teams that are interested in him, give or take, whatever, something like that. So, 
coach poo-pooed entirely the idea that Justin Che would fit into this roster and be able to help this team. Uh, most specific, not specifically, but hinting around in every way possible that Justin Che won't be being added to this roster at the end of this month. Oh, a little storm action here. So it begs the question, you know, they obviously really think that something else is coming. I hear some chatter behind the scenes that they already are negotiating with people. I can't verify that. I'm not reporting anything, but that's just when I hear these things, sometimes you like, some of them are pretty legit. You know, it's, it's, it's a little secondhand. It's a little bit like, Oh, I know this guy. And he said, you know, put all these things together. If coach hadn't said anything, I wouldn't necessarily put any credence into these ideas that they're already negotiating with somebody, but you, you know, the scene with Justin well enough, you guys have seen how he's been since he went to Byron, you know, you've seen how he's reacted to the idea of coming back in general, of being here in general. You've now seen coach say, eh, that's, I wouldn't really put too much in that, you know? So I just want to prepare everybody to the, for the idea that it's, it now seems to me reading the tea leaves and listening to coach highly, highly unlikely that Justin Che will be coming back here and, and to help this team at all. Hmm. Well, uh, I don't, I mean, I, maybe there's more to that story. Maybe it's just, uh, maybe his, the way he reacts is frustration that Justin doesn't want to be here, knowing how much they could probably use him, or maybe he doesn't fancy yeah. Justin as quality enough to play at this level. I don't know. I mean, well, this there's coach, all sorts of unknowns. Yeah, this coach leans veteran, old, and experienced, not young and inexperienced. You know, um, he has two right backs, and you could argue they actually have five. Between North Texas and this team, they have five right backs, you know, and so slot and Justin in there, you know, maybe, you know, at, at center back, he would be, you would say, oh, he could be fourth. You put him in ahead of Nolan Norris at center back. Yeah, you probably would, except Nolan's a lefty and Shea's a righty. So he's not really necessarily competing with, with Nolan Norris. He's competing at right back where you have already have uh, Nikosi and Ibiaga substantially ahead of him walking in. So you're talking about trying to add a guy who's going to be third, fourth, fifth at any one of the conversations the day he walks in, you know, that doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to try and accommodate that. That's what he means by the roster's full, like the yeah. spots he plays it's full. Y yes. They have a roster spot, but they're also talking about, we know they're, they're, they're looking at center backs, right? So probably a left center back. So again, maybe not a direct competition, but still a center back. So like adding that guy would give you six center backs. Justin would be seven. You know what I mean? So it's like, it really is just doesn't make any sense, you know, on, just on that idea alone. So yeah, big flags, big red flags. All right. And based on the fact that uh, as I sat and watched uh, some of this stuff over the course of the last week and thought, what in the hell is Jesus Jimenez even doing out on the field? Because he doesn't appear to do anything. Is anybody else equally as frustrated as I am that Salt Lake is signing Christian Arango? Because I would love to have that dude on this team. Well, their roster's pretty thin. I mean, they, they've they've had a bunch of guys leave in the last year, so they don't. They probably had a lot of available cash. Yeah, you know, and Dallas doesn't really like. We've talked about that, right? Dallas is pretty up against it, even with Toronto playing Jimenez's contract. You know, that, that in terms of cap, that, that's what they're playing. Toronto is is the cap room, so you know they don't have. They're holding out room, I think, to add this one player. Mm. You know, when you have nine, you know, one point nine million in Jesus. You know, and, and an eight million dollar winger, and he spent two million in Gam to get Paul. You know, there there ain't a lot of room for a uh, striker of that caliber on this roster. Okay, that's why you need an Obreon at on four hundred. 
And I probably should stop real quickly and admit that I failed in my duty as podcast host and picked up on what you dropped there, Buzz, which is, do you know who it is or do you have any speculation on what they're about to, who they're talking oh, to? no, 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 no. Okay. Just left center back. You all know. right. I mean, I hear, I hear lots of rumors, but not, um, the, all the rumors all fit into what we've been saying for, since December. A so, certain yeah. Spanish center back who once played for Real Madrid, who just left uh, no, PSG. No, 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 no. The one I, the, the 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 stuff I hear is actually in the late twenties. Hmm. But I have, you know, I have no idea if that's all just being parroted back to us. If it's, I'm just saying, if I'm just hearing back the things we're saying, you, know, that, you could get a feedback loop like that sometimes. You know, like it's possible that what I hear about Justin is just a feedback loop. People have heard what Coach said and goes, "Oh, he has a, he got a deal in the works," and then all of a sudden I'm hearing there's a deal in the works. You know what I mean? So it could be that what I'm hearing on center back is just a feedback loop on what we've been saying since December that he left center back, you know. But granted, in the spring, both Coach and Zanata said that that was true, you know, in spring training. And then they said, we're going to have to wait till the summer. So nothing has really changed beyond the injuries. You know, and we talked last week about the idea that you know, I don't think you derail your plan just because you're short an eight. You can grind like you are now without one. Okay. Dan, you've been awfully quiet. Do you have any uh, any uh, will any desire to talk about how you feel about the team at this point? Uh, uh, messy. <laughs> okay. Well played, sir. You want to talk uh, about couple, messy more? <laughs> a, a couple of call ups you want to talk about, Buzz? Here on the run sheet. Yeah, just credit to uh, uh, Bernie Camungo, Bernard Camungo, who's been called in by Tanzania. Abilene Zone. Abilene Zone, yep. Now, he is a U.S. citizen, but obviously he's still eligible for Tanzania because that's where he was born. So super cool for him. I mean, they're they're way, except way down. Except for that flight. Yeah, except <laughs> for the flight. They, they have one game in their um, AFCON or whatever it is qualifying that they've got going on that I guess that's what he's being called in for. So that's super cool for him that he's going to get that opportunity. Now, they're way down – like 150th or something like that. So they're not very good, but still super cool that your country calls you up. I don't care what your country is. I think it's awesome for you. And then Carl Sante, who's a uh, place for North Texas was called in for Haiti again for their nation's league. He's been called in before. That's not news that he's in that mix, but it's just kind of cool that there's a, again, it shows you where Haiti is in the rankings too, that you have a guy playing for North Texas SC that, pl- that plays for that team. I-, I think there's something to be said for, the ability for North Texas to develop or have these guys that are playing for these countries that are, you know, these, not necessarily these Mexico or the United States, but still have value in international play and, and uh, super awesome for these kids that they're getting that opportunity. I couldn't be happier for them. Okay. Well, good stuff. Anything else we need to uh, dip our toes into before I go eat my dinner sandwich? Well, I have two things. Um, the first is that I, I went like frame by frame on the Mukhtar goal, and that was not a handball. He brought that thing down clean. Okay. Yeah, and that dude can ball out. I, <laughs> I, I told a story about um, one of my burns about the going to that game and having people sitting behind me who had – a guy was his first ever soccer game that I think he'd ever even seen his entire life. I don't mean pro. I mean like soccer ever. I think he had no idea about anything. And the dude that brought him to the game was a self-professed soccer fan who never proceeded to tell him about – all about soccer with about a 75% inaccuracy rate, uh, which was making my brain hurt. But they were uh, talking trash to Mukhtar, who did some of his Mukhtar things where he's delaying the game and doing gamesmanship and stuff. And they're yelling at him, telling him he stinks. And I'm like, dude, that dude does not stink. He's the reigning MVP. You're out of your mind if you think that dude stinks. He's just really, really good. And then the second thing was um, 
we talked the other day about the the idea that the way forward might be this double pivot idea. This what sometimes might be a four two three one when you have an Ensebling or Leggett who's healthy. Right now it's a four four two, where you have Facundo and Edwin playing sort of next to each other, or Passion can be one of those two guys that can be more of a six eight look. The two things is one is that North Texas continues to use that look, which tells you a little bit about the organizational idea that maybe their the whole organization is changing over to that look. And the second was I asked a coach about Facundo and that jump forward and improvement in his play, playing in that double pivot, uh, double pivot. And he goes, yeah, I guess I was being a dummy, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> he's like, sometimes it takes you a while to recognize these things, uh, how much better it is, you know? Um, and so I, I think there's a good chance that you're going to see a lot of that double pivot look, uh, whether it be those two formations sort of going forward over the stretch. And we won't see Edwin or, Facundo on an isolated island quite like that very much. You have to have a, a six of spectacular ability like um, our old friend Carlos Guerrezo to order to play a single like that. Really, both of those guys, Edwin and Facundo, are so much better when they have somebody with them in a double. Uh, doesn't have to be another six. It can be a six-eight. You know, you can go that look. You know, where's where Paxson probably will figure in more once Paxson's actually healthy again. Yes, and uh, I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to the socials, but one Tanner Tessman has uh, found his way back into the Metroplex. Uh, is there any way we could kidnap Tanner and just force mm. him to come play? Well, like, hey, Tanner, do you need some exercise? <laughs> just come spin some yarn for us here for a few weeks till you go back to Venice. <laughs> I'd like to re-sign him, uh, buy him back from them, but I don't know that you can. I think his price has gone up to like uh, five mil. You- why in the world would Tanner Tessman leave what he has going on in Italy to come back here? Sorry. <laughs> uh, who knows? You know, family or, uh, you know, money, security. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure he's making amazing money and he's living in Venice, Buzz. I Nobody I can think of is living a better life right now than Tanner Tessman. Well, they did almost get relegated, you know, and then they, then they made the playoffs. That was, it was so weird. They were fighting relegation for like 80% of the season and then went on a tear right at the end and got into the playoffs because the league is so tight. Well, and and largely uh, based on how well he was playing too. Yeah, he, he's playing really well. Um, you know, I, the kid's playing fantastic soccer. I just think he would be fabulous to have I agree. in the midfield here. You know, he, he's he's progressed. He's playing at a, at a high level. You know, I, I just, I lament that all of these homegrowns are being sold. You know, we're, we can't be that far, knock on wood, from Jesus not being here. You know, it's, it's just Paxton's the only one that'll stay forever. But um, I just sometimes I, I'm gonna I'm, it's gonna be a bummer when in a couple of years from now there's not really hardly any homegrowns around. It'll be, a, it'll be a bummer, I think. That's because uh, Inter Miami started a whole trend of everybody going out and just hiring a bunch of 32 year old uh, European greats. Well, you don't know the how the, the, the things are going to break, but between Messi raising the profile of this league, and the, that means more money, and there's some cap shenanigans that may have to change, and also the World Cup in the next you know three years from now, those two things are going to alter the landscape again. It's probably going to alter the size of the league, the value of the league. The cap's going to go up. You know, there'll be more depth to the rosters, not in volume, but just like it'll be it'll be less top heavy. Like right now you have a lot of top end and a lot of bottom end. Well the rest of the roster will fill in more. It's just gonna make it more and more difficult for homegrowns to break in. You know, like the as the level of the league rises, as you climb the ranks of the top 10 leagues in the world, it'll be more and more difficult for 
guys to break into the team and guys that would have broken into the team in the past will not be able to break in in the future. And so the homegrown 11 idea is going to start to wither on the vine. You know, you might only see one guy a year or there might be years you have no guys just because it's just not as doable anymore. North Texas will have to become a bigger avenue for developing homegrowns and selling homegrowns because they're just not going to get into the first team. You know, that's what I think. I mean, we'll see, you know, Look, I the next three years are going to be fascinating. Oh. The sport in this country yeah. is going to be bonkers. I can't imagine. Uh, I was reading an article today. They were making a big stink about the fact that there's a guy that is spending the money to put a USL1 team in Brooklyn. And yeah. they're making a big stink about that. What, what, what's the stink? Well, just that, you know, they're making a big deal that they're bringing soccer to Brooklyn. And oh, I'm like, cool. do you guys know what USL one is? Yeah. <laughs> like, like everybody just, <laughs> I, I know that everybody's excited about the messy thing, but this is a long way from like, I don't think everybody understands the gap between MLS and yeah. USL one. <laughs> I, I think somebody, I saw somebody suggested they'd be called the Brooklyn Italians, which is one of the classic oh, American. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. I think Brooklyn Italians is already taken though. I think I it think, is too, but that would be I'm cool. sure it is. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully they get a very, very nice uh, a kit design and crest design and all of that taken care of. Properly. I just think back to the uh, days, Peter, before this league founded, when you and I were, you know, teenagers with nothing, no pro league. We had we had indoor, we had the psychics, but we had no outdoor soccer pro. Even in college, no outdoor soccer pro. To where we are now, and to where this thing's going to be, and by the time we retire, is just unreal. Or, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. It'll be hard for people like us to comprehend. People like Paxton grew up, was born after the league was I founded. Know. He grew Stop up it. with the league existing. <laughs> and you and I are like, we lived half our lives without a league at all. So it's like, you know. I'm sure there's going to be an entire segment on the show Saturday where old man Andy and Peter sit around for a good <laughs> 10, 15 minutes and just think back to MLS day one and how we never imagined the whole concept, I mean, because essentially, I, I keep saying this to people, this is potentially, and I mean, I use the word potentially very purposefully, this potentially is the 21st century version of Pele coming to America. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there are a lot of things got to happen first for it to equal that. But here, just in real time, just to put the perspective of this in real time, I just got a text from a teammate who I play with all the time, who couldn't give two squirts about Major League Soccer. He just doesn't care about it, right? For whatever reason, I don't really ask him, and frankly, I don't care. I just got this text from him. Peter, what's the deal with this Apple TV stuff? When do I need it to watch the best player in the world? <laughs> August. <laughs> right. But see, like the fact that this guy cares suddenly yeah. about the Apple TV deal, because to me, the biggest thing out of all of this that nobody's really talking about is how MLS season pass just went from this very kind of mysteriously questionable, is this thing working or not, to now, holy crap. It just the value in it changed overnight because what I think everybody's forgetting about the MLS season pass is that not only is he getting a cut of the subscribers, that thing is available globally. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit in the Discord. Was the idea that that thing is a worldwide app, and that the exposure that's going to come because Messi's playing here and the amount yes. of people that will add that app, and that and that that leads to economic opportunities for the league and the teams sponsorship beyond the domestic. Ads ads in the stuff. I mean, just un unbelievable. The reach of that thing. People don't realize the knock on effect 
this is going to have. I mean, think about the knock-on effect Beckham has, and we're in a different world now in terms of media. And the thing that the fact that that Apple thing is worldwide, you know, you're looking at a league potentially, and this is why people are interested in it, right? MLS because you could become. It ain't now. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you could become a worldwide player with this league. You know, if you play your cards right and you do the right things and you have this Messi and you have this World Cup, you know, there's a reason why people are dropping $300 million, $500 million, whatever the hell the last one was, or the next one is to get a team. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, there people recognize there's a reason why Liga MX is desperately trying to get involved with MLS. You know, the American powerhouse, man, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, and we're, hopefully they don't screw it up and, and ruin the whole thing because it's unbelievable. I, yeah, Tim Cook couldn't sign that deal fast enough. Yes, we'll, we will give Messi $5 for every subscription we sell after he joins my whatever the number is, right? It's going to equal an insane amount of money for, for Lionel, but it is yeah. com the value in it for, for Apple and the fact, like, if nobody in the United States, again signs up for MLS season pass, they will well more than make up for it oh. for the, everybody else on the rest of Earth that does. You could probably make it up just in Argentina alone. Right. And they're no dummies because you remember that the deal got signed in the first place. They held off and held off and held off until the World Cup got announced. And then, boom, it happened within like, what was it? Well, inside of two months, it happened. Yeah. Same thing. The minute you actually get Messi to agree, boom, look at all this stuff came in with Adidas in terms of, a cut of the jersey sales and already the adidas website you know is already overloaded with messy miami stuff you know the the apple tv the the fact that he's gonna he has a chance to have a cut of the franchise with beckham you don't think people are going to play for a beckham messy run franchise it's ridiculous i mean it's gonna yeah. be crazy i saw lawless today tweeting out this whole thing because all the news is is they're also going to sign busquets and then uh, uh, Suarez was talking about something, and I guess there's other players in Tata Martinez, you know, and that essentially they're building this new, like, uh, Death Star of an MLS team that everybody's going to end up hating. And all I can think of is, oh no, 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 please no. This is, that's totally sounds like NASL version 2.0. <laughs> Cosmos, yeah. Angel Di Maria was the other name that was floating around, although I think yes. it was more like they couldn't get it worked out, but. Um, it was at least in the conversation. That's what I mean. Like people will take less money to come here now to play with Messi. Yeah. But what I'm know? worried about is that there are enough new owners in this league with enough ambition that they push this thing, the extreme, uh, uh, you know, to the extreme that it creates a bigger problem in terms of imbalance in the league financially. Well, the, that's where you have the hunts for because they'll tap the brakes <laughs> on all of it. All right. They'll does, hold it Dan, all back. does Clark Hunt have that much power? Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. think? Yeah, he's Dan Hunt's the leader of the old guard in MLS. There's a bunch of owners that aren't like the new owners. Kraft, probably, right? He runs his thing just to fill up his stadium in the offseason. You know, the what's left of the Ann Schultz I'm, organization. I just worry that with the World Cup coming up, that there may be now enough new blood in the ownership group that, that, the, that his power is waning. Well, he can't stop it, but he'll be able to slow it down. You know, yeah. he'll be able to keep it in check. But the other, the other thing is, is that because of the roster rules, you won't be able to have a Cosmos quite literally. But you'll see other people that'll say, if Messi's willing to go there, that gives the league, G league a little more legit legitimacy. I know he's 35 and people want to go, oh, retirement league. Dude, Messi won the World Cup six months ago. I know. People will look <laughs> at him coming here and it'll add legitimacy to this league. And people will come, people will consider it now that hadn't considered it before. 
you know, they'll say, well, that's actually a little more viable. Maybe yeah. I will go there rather than go to Fire Nord or something. I don't know, you know, whatever you want to come up with. It's going to change the landscape no matter across the whole league, not just with that one team. Because they yeah. know they know the Cosmos destroyed the American, North American Soccer League. Those guys are smart. They all know that. Even the new guys know that. You know, there's a reason why they agreed to all these roster rules. That's all ownership level shit. The players would like to get rid of it. Uh, and a closing note on this uh, topic, hat tip to our friend Andrew at uh, Soccer 90 for having the wherewithal for stocking up on <laughs> Miami jerseys and messy nameplates as they, I believe, already have those for sale for anybody interested in those. I don't know if they have the black ones, but I've seen the pink ones. So. He, he joked that they've been waiting for a year and a half, <laughs> just in case they've that been kid, ready. <laughs> that guy's got his, his smarts on. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, please, uh, anybody who wishes, come join Andy and I for, and this includes you, Dan and Buzz, uh, for the watching party for the US, uh, Champions League final enter in Man City. I'm sorry if the game's a snoozer because it probably will be, but we'll have a lot of fun anyway. Good food, lots of beer, free entry. Uh, it's over in Richardson, and you can also find out all about it on our Twitter account at the Kickaround. So uh, please do that. The Degree the Podcast has been brought to you by Soccer90.com. Shop Soccer90.com for all your soccer needs. FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, U.S. Soccer. They got a bunch of new U.S. stuff this week. They got the inner Miami jerseys already. Got the messy nameplates all ready to go. Check it out if that's your scene, if you're into the messy scene. Soccer90.com. Use code 3rd degree at checkout. 20% off. Some exclusions do apply. Dan, thank you much, sir. Excellent time talking to you, and I hope to see you on Saturday. I'll be there with bells on, or whatever the phrase is. Okay. I expect you to actually have a physical bell on your body uh, somewhere. Well, where, where it can be easily seen. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, get arrested right. and deported for that. <laughs> and Buzz, uh, be well in the bad weather around your house that has uh, been popping up. Yeah, I just supporting. went through. Uh, I will not be able to make your party. I'm going to be in L.A. Oh, are yeah. you? Yeah, I got, a, I got a meeting with the Bobs. Okay, Ooh. well, have fun with the Bobs. Nice. And uh, thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We'll speak to you next week in another episode of The Message. I mean, a Third Degree, the podcast. No, he's right. It's The Message Show. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree. The third degree never get. Third degree, the third degree never get. Third degree, the third degree never get.